Motors Show, your home for car talk covering the latest news to the greatest views on the biggest names in performance, sports, and just plain cool driving machines. Let's rev up the conversation. Time for Driven Radio Show. Hello to the automotive faithful. I am Reverend Hatfield, and I welcome you to Driven Radio Show, Hallelujah. where we bring you the gospel of the internal combustion. Testify. Here with me is our Driven Radio sh- in the Driven Radio Show pulpit is our engineer and co-host, Minister Mark Groves. Sunday diddy. We are coming to you from the Temple of All Things Automotive, the Driven Radio Show studios. Our guests this week are John Sacamino and Andy Reed. Andy has worked for Grassroots Motorsport, Vintage Motorsport Magazine, Jaguar World, Haggerty Online, and Classic Motorsports Magazine. He's a, he's like me. He's a whore he'll write for anyone. <laughs> he currently writes for ClassicCars.com, Magneto, and Tazio Magazines, and is a licensed independent collector car insurance specialist. I bet you can't fit that all on a business card. No. <laughs> John is a lifelong car guy with a passion for British and Italian marks. At the end of 2012, John purchased award-winning full-service restoration and maintenance shop Sport and Specialty in Northern Illinois. Sport and Specialty caters to the European sports car community with a focus on cars from the 1950s through the 1970s. Andy and John, thanks for being back with us on Driven Radio. Thanks for thanks for having us. Well, you know, I wanted to have you together because I like how you harass each other. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, there are, there are horrible, awful stories of you guys staying at car events together, and uh, maybe we'll uncork that can of worms a little bit later. I haven't seen, whole, oh. I haven't gotten to see you guys since Amelia My Island in March. What have you been up to, and what did you do on your summer vacation? <clears throat> Summer vacation? <laughs> What's a, I don't know. I you know summer's my busy time, so I I worked a lot and uh, I mean, but I did, I raced. I went you know I did some racing. Um, um, went to a bunch of cars and coffees, schmoozed, and you know looked for new business because that's the kind of whore that I am. Um, and now and God know, bless I'll, you. Oh yeah, I don't care. I don't care. But no, I, I just kind of hung out and did you know did some did some vintage racing, hung out. Uh, we lost a guy this this summer, so I, I you know, my my free time was a little bit uh, uh, impinged on, but it was good. And I just and I just returned from um, the big national Austin Healy uh, uh, meet in uh, Pennsylvania, which was terrific. They, it's two. It was two clubs: the Enclave and the Conclave got together, or the Encounter and the Conclave got together, and they called it Enclave. So that's where I was at. <laughs> How about you, Andy? Where you been since March? Uh, a lot of Concours events, Monterey uh, in its entirety. Uh, boy, uh, press trips, motorcycle trip to Cincinnati, lots yeah. of stuff. I saw that bike trip to Cincinnati. You've got a really pretty BMW you ride. It's not mine. It's BMWs. Uh, oh. And I picked it up in Riverside and rode it out. So, Well, that works even better when you can get somebody else to supply the wheels. Yes. <laughs> Yes, it's a, that's another that's 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 also the dumbest thing I did on a vehicle this year. So we'll save that for your dumbest thing in the vehicle. Question. So, <laughs> honestly, aware because he's who I met in Cincinnati. So, and he was my weatherman the whole way. So it seems you said you've been to a number of concours. It seems like the number of concours has been rapidly expanding. Uh, have either of you two attended any new events? And what are your thoughts on their growth? I'll well, go, ahead. go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say I. I haven't attended any new ones because, you know, 
I, I think they just there's so many of them now, and you can only go to so many. Um, the Midwest, we've, we've only got a few. I see a lot of them coming up on the East Coast, actually in your neck of the woods more than anything, Andy. Um, I, I didn't attend that many this, this year. I, Andy and I both judged at uh, or the Alt Park or the old Alt Park, which is a Cincinnati Concord, which is kind of an old, an old school one. Um, but I, I didn't attend a bunch, but there, there's a bunch out there now. I mean, you're, they're, they're being announced pretty much every week, or it seems as if, you know, that's the case. Yeah. And I was at, uh, Las Vegas in its first year and I was at Audrain this year, not the whole way, but through the point of getting a car there that was showing, uh, and got reports from friends back from that. Uh, I can't remember where else I've been, uh, no, no other new ones. There are a lot of them, and it's. I did a count. I was thinking about this today. We were talking. John and I were talking about it. And I did a count online. I did some searching around with Mr. Google, and found it stopped at fifty. I quit searching at fifty. No, oh, no, 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 oh, no, and no. That's when I stopped searching. So, do you? Is there enough room to to capacitate all this? It seems like that you would run out of concour quality cars to fill them all well we talked about this uh there are levels of and john can talk to the concour quality cars as, as well but uh there's like there are a couple levels there's the pebble beach which is effectively the best concour and the, the finest cars of any concour in the u.s and then there's amelia island which is basically the other finest cars in the u.s just different kinds of cars necessarily mm-hmm. with a more of a focus on sports where pebble beach focuses on everything uh and that's like the first tier or the top of their pyramid and then you've got uh greenwich hilton head uh chattanooga quickly moving into that second tier spot with a race there and everything else and detroit's probably trying to work its way there too with Haggerty's involvement and then then there's the rest of them i mean all park is probably there too because it's been there a long time but that's kind of the and then there's but you know there's San Marino Classic there's La Jolla there's there's these are all good shows like really good shows in many cases but then you've got like Beverly Hills and all these other things and Vail right because there's a lot of cars yeah. there I guess uh, I don't guess but that's the, the problem is you know there are so many cars and as we talked about Brett after I showed the Alpha at Amelia. You know, it takes between 25 and 40 Gs to haul a car to a major concourse. Yeah. And that's what it's You're all in. It's 25 to probably pebbles more around probably 50 or 60 once you're all in for everything. Uh, and that's not inclusive of buying the car that needs to be there. True. And even a really rich guy, you know, like Bruce Meyer money, you know, billions of dollars, you know, Ralph Lauren money. Let's really throw down with a big name. Uh, they're not going to spend that they'll spend 50, 50,000, 60,000, hundred thousand dollars to go to Pebble beach. And they'll probably spend it to go to Hampton court. Uh, but they're not going to spend it to go to the rest of them because it, 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 the costs aren't, you know, maybe it costs 25 to get to Hilton head, depending on the car, probably 25 for Hilton head. But Amelia's all a 40. If you take you, if you and your family, you're taking yourself and your spouse and your car people that are handling the car and transporting and your support and your support staff <laughs> and your support staff and meals and all that stuff. You're spending 40 G's yeah. and uh, you can only do that. Even the really, really rich guys can only do that so many times. So, and if he wins at Pebble beach, does he care about winning 
at anything uh, else. Geneva. Bale, Bale or Greenwich. You know, oh. Well, I, I, I think I think you gotta go back and, you know, once again, Brett, define Concord, right? I mean, it, you know, as Andy said, we've got tiers of that stuff now. So I think since that, that name hasn't been trademarked, it's used pretty <laughs> it isn't used very judiciously anymore. Wow. You know, we could have the Andy and John Concor and everybody be happy with it. We'd probably show up on a Google search somewhere, right? <laughs> um, so, I, I, you know, I look at it and I go, okay, if you go to Monterey, you're going to see the finest cars in the United States probably. Yeah. Okay, and, and as Andy said, a wide variety. If you go to Amelia, you'll see some of the finest racing cars that ever hit the track, and and, and they're curated, and they're the ones you want to see, and you know, they spend two two years, three years getting a collection of eagles together, right? I mean, for that for that event. And then, then you've got, you know, and, and as, as Andy said, you, then you've got Hilton Head, which is a, a wonderful and, and, and has a long legacy of great cars and, and uh, you know, great people, quite frankly. I mean, it's really quite an event. And, and, and it gives back to the community. But now there's a lot of small ones that, that are coming up. And people, I think, are are looking at it and they're saying, Hey, this, this looks like fun. Let's do, let's do our own. And I'm not so certain, certain, you know, that the cars that are showing up at some of these are, are Concord level. I'll guarantee it, you it's a good car show. Don't get me wrong. It's a great car show, but I don't know if it would, it would be what was, what, what would be dedi- or, um, you know, what, what defined as a Concord, you know, 15 years ago, 10, sure. 15 years ago. And, and then there's another problem too, when the cars aren't as well curated, I was at a Concord a while ago, and the Ferrari class, there was a 250 TDF that ran the 250 TDF in 58 and crashed in practice and then came back on the track after being sent to Ferrari overnight <laughs> and finished second. Now, the guy drives it. John, you've seen this car. It's the blue one. You see it at Road America all the time mm. with the yellow stripe. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Yeah. So it's that car. And it's got history, 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 history. But, you know, I see JAG rules are really interesting. They judge condition, and they don't have quite enough points probably awarded for provenance. And that's, again, that is all you people that don't like that, it's getting fixed. I know it's getting fixed from the inside. So they're going to, they're addressing that. But nonetheless, a 2000 and some, a 2000, uh, a modern Ferrari that with, with no miles on it, like, like 355 miles on it, was judged against that car. No. Well, again, curated. Yeah. In Ferrari uh, class, right? And as a result, the Ferrari 575 Barquetta won. And by the rules, it should have won. The problem wasn't with the judging. It wasn't problem was with the cars. It was the problem of the, of the car being there even. It was either, I would say, wrong class yes. or ultimately not well curated. Yeah. Well, and, I'd, say, I'd say curated. I mean, yeah, I mean. It, it, but that's problematic because how do you yeah. back yourself out of that situation? And I, you know, I look at optics. The optics are really weird when your modern Ferrari beats this epically historic, you know, historical document of a Ferrari. Yeah, uh, it, the guy drives all over the place. And again, I, that sounds like wrong class or curated uh it, it sounds like an apples and oranges oranges comparison 
Yeah, and the thing is, it, we, the problem with you say, well, hey, I'm going to go start a concourse, says Joe, Joe Smith, and that's great. You know, have you ever judged a concourse? Oh, no. Have you ever put together a concourse? No. And they just do it, and they don't understand that you have to curate these things. Well, if it's if it's somebody that doesn't have any experience or background with it, that's not a concourse. That's a car show. Point to, um, that's that, point. I guess that's the point. You're right. Yeah, and, they, use and, that name, they use that name very liberally. Uh, and I think you wind up with purists who look at that and think, okay, that's one I won't attend. I won't go to that because uh, it's it, the moniker has been misapplied. And that's how this adjusts itself, is that the first time a person takes a car to XYZ Concours uh, and a really good car and sees that kind of thing happen, he doesn't come. The Concours is nothing without the cars. Sure. You know, the person, the event promoter has just got a, he's just renting grass, right? So you're renting grass. So it's the who, so what you need to do is you always need to, that's what Amelia and Pebble are both great at. Uh, Sandra and uh, Mark Becker now at Amelia and Bill Warner before Mark Becker are great at building these relationships because these things are built on interpersonal relationships. You call these people and say, hey, we'd love you to bring car X. And they say, well, thank you so much. I'd love to bring that. And that's how really good Concor happened. You can, sure, there are people that apply for Concor, but, you know, and you get in or you don't get in. But for the most part, and that, you know, probably 50% of the field is done by application. And the other 50% of the field that like a really, truly top tier Concor is by invitation. Mm-hmm. And, and that is what, unless you have the Rolodex, you don't even know who to invite. Yeah, Absolutely. Or have the way to get to them. Because a lot of these guys with top-tier collections are, you know, they don't answer their cell phone for someone they don't know. You know, they don't know. You're not going to answer. You're not going to get to that person. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I don't disagree. I think that's absolutely spot on. Along with the increasing number of concours that you're seeing, uh, you're also seeing lots of new live and online collector car auctions. And it seems like that. Uh, that market has seen explosive growth as well. Bring a trailer has hundreds of cars for sale on any at any given time. And though the market is strong right now, it seems like it might be poised for a correction as the economy seems to be cooling. Uh, do you think that we're going to see a correction anytime soon? If so, do you think it will curtail the number of auctions? Well, just, just a, clarify bring a trailer alone has 734 auctions live right now for this week wow. yeah. yeah 735 that's more than you'll have you know that's more than you're going to have all week in arizona yeah okay outside of barrett jackson <laughs> well, you- oh yeah right right but i'm just saying you know it used to be three four hundred cars at a time were a lot and you know i i I think, you know, even that goes back to a, a bit of curation. There was a time where they, they would take anybody, you know, uh, bring a trailer. And yeah. now, you know, you you have to apply to them to see if they'll take your car for their auction. But, but yeah, I yeah. find amazing. I, I do. I, <laughs> I, you know, I'm like, holy cow. Um, I, I have this conversation pretty regularly, Brett, uh, with with customers. Uh, I've had, I had a couple guys in last month, and they were – Telling me that they've got a friend that all he does is just sell his buy and sell cars on bring a trailer. That's all he does. And 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 I said I said wow. I said you know 
have you seen any of the cars? Because again, this is this is a non-curated environment at at, at Bring a Trailer. Oh, and I've seen the cars that people buy, and they buy these sight unseen cars, and they go, "I'm going to just drop it off at your place. You guys take a look at, it, see if it needs a little something." And in many cases, it needs a lot of something. Yeah, you know, and, and the reason people forget they're selling these cars for a reason. There's something that they, that they don't find charming about it anymore, like it's falling <laughs> apart, you know, or it's costing them a small fortune, or there's a lot of work there. So, I, you know, I, I, I struggle with that, and, and Andy and I had talked about it. And I've had this conversation. Bring a trailer is kind of like a non it, it's It's, you know, become the Hemmings. That was the word that we came up with today. It's it's an online Hemmings. It's this big book full of cars, and, and you can go in and see what you want. But I, I think um, I, I don't think it's ever going to put bottoms and RM out of out of out of place. But I, you know, the other conversation I have is, you know, I, I just I just did a thing for SEMA, and, and you know, crappy cars are always going to be crappy cars. Yeah. You know, I mean, if, if if you have a nice car and it's properly maintained, and you know, you've owned more. I mean, your share of them, Brett. I mean, if you have a car and it's properly made, you you're proud to sell that to someone because. It's going to be a good vehicle. Those cars are always going to be valuable to me, mm-hmm. you know, I think. I don't think they're going to crush the market. But I think a lot of these mid- to lower-tier cars, if the, as they start going out into the marketplace, that's what's going to hurt the market. I, I think you're going to see the numbers come down in terms of revenue and sales of those cars because they're just not going to be – people are going to be taking a harder look at them. Again, you know, in my humble opinion. Yep. And they, to, to further drill down into that, the number three condition car is not going to be selling. I mean, right now, you can go to, and don't forget, for online auctions, it's not just bring a trailer with 735 cars. It's cars and bids. It's Hemmings auctions. It's classiccars.com's auto hunter. It's P-car market. Mm-hmm. It's classic driver's auction. Yep. Thing. There are, I would, I reckon that any week there are, 1,200 cars on online auction a week. Easily. Week of the year, at least. And so I, what I think what, what's happened is values have been driven on these things, on cars that are sight unseen, which is really interesting because back in the day, and still I still do it and you do, and uh, Key, uh, Kinney does it and Brian does it, Carlson does it, and a few of the rest of us and Moskowitz and those guys. We walk around an auction and we look at specific cars and we note the condition of those cars. Yeah. And we say one through five, you know, and then we drill a little bit more. Is it the right engine? Those kinds of things. And then that car sells and we have price, we, we set a value on it. We go, that is worth, that GTO is worth $56 million, right? Whatever the hell it is. Sure. Uh, but online auctions, no one's looking at the cars. Yet they're setting record prices. Yeah. No one's seeing them in person and doing that walk around. And the majority of the value, majority of the transactions on classic cars right now are online. I mean, look at it. I mean, if they're selling a thousand cars a week, that's 52,000 cars a year. That's more than all the other auction companies combined. Yep. And uh, another point to be made about uh, the online auctions. And I wrote about this. I don't even think it's out in uh, on sports and sports car market yet. There's 
a lot of oral sensations uh, or aural sensations about being <laughs> at an auction. The smells, you can smell that yeah. old varnish gas that may be in there, or you can feel the weather strip to see if it's rock hard or if it's still pliable. And there's, yeah. there's a lot of tactile sensations that you miss on the online auctions. Also with Bring a Trailer, I introduced my dad to that. You can't believe how mad my mom is at me about it because my dad's bought four cars off bringing a trailer. <laughs> and uh, he, he even had me do one in my name, and then it just showed up in the warehouse. Uh, <laughs> but the, and the other thing about the, the, the brick and mortar is not going away. Online's not going to kill because there's another thing, too. Uh, uh, if you've ever bought a car at a live auction, uh, especially boutique auction, because it's it's a little bit more interesting. And John's been there when I bought stuff. Uh, and there's something about that. And I bought online, too. And people go, oh, it's really exciting to buy online. I'm like, it's different when you're in a room with 600 people oh, yeah. and you know 200 of the people. And you do one of these and you go 675. And the room goes, Are you trying to hit the close? <laughs> you're trying to catch a bid. I was trying to catch a bid on a car in... Uh, on a, I bought a uh, cord for a guy, from a buddy of mine, a couple of years ago at Arizona. You were there for that, I'm trying to think. And the, it was like 60, 70, 80, 90. And I'm like, and so I'm looking at Ramsey Potts and I go, 150. He goes, 150? I go, 150. And I go, 150. Everything stops. Yeah. And <laughs> then everybody says, what the hell's Andy know? Yeah. And that's <laughs> it. But, but again, that ability to catch the bid, that's really exciting. But also, there's this energy in that room, just having those physical people there when you do that. And when you, it, stilling a room is an interesting thing to do. Yeah. Especially a noisy room. And when your room goes dead quiet, it, it, it's it's interesting. And the stress is high and the excitement is high and you're nervous and freaking out every time. And it's, it's just, a, it's an experience that's just so, it's a tangible experience that I don't think that the online thing, I talked about this at Pebble on a panel. I still don't, and, and uh, Steve Serio is like, oh, you're wrong. I'm like, come on, Steve. Eh. There's something about that room that with the energy of those people in that room that make it different and make it way more fun in my experience. So, yeah. Absolutely. We, we treat that like a sporting experience. There's Andy <laughs> and I've got, well, I've got probably, you know, four or five other guys. That I, got to, I met Andy in Arizona. I mean, I met other people in Arizona. I've got family there, so I, I, you know, that's an annual trip, and there's maybe a half a dozen of us that kind of gather, okay? And we'll, we'll find a table or we'll find a spot, and we'll have, our, we'll have the uh, catalog in front of us, and then we'll, we'll spend the afternoon having a drink of our choice and, and going, what do you think? Do you see the car? So, we, I, I, you know, we preview the cars just like you do. I mean, we preview the cars. I look at it and go, that car is a lot nicer than it shows in the photo. And it's, it's fun. I mean, it is fun. It's, you know, and, and as Andy said, all of a sudden you go, that car won't hit more than 150. And next thing you know, it's at 235. And I got to tell you, <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like, it's like watching, you know, watching the Chiefs play. They're, they're, you know, hauling downfield and you're like, go, baby, go. And it's exciting <laughs> and it's fun. And you can't, obviously, you can't get that by watching, bring a trailer, although some guys do. Um, and, and you can't, I go there to value the cars. People go, do you buy and sell there? I go, not really. I said, I probably can't afford them because you know, all the all the 
I, I can buy cars if I can get them cheap and, and all the value hasn't been baked out of them, you yeah. know? Um, but it, it, what, what I find funny is I can go there and just like you do, Brett, and, and we'll go there to see what the values look like. You know, what are, what are series two Jags going for right now? And I'll know what every series two Jag went for. I'll look at the Heelys. I'll look at the alphas. We'll look at the higher end cars, the Aston Martins, you know, what's going here. Because guys come to us on a regular basis and go, I want to do this car. And I'll go, don't do that car. You know, I've been watching, I've been watching three years worth of these cars dropping 15 grand or five grand or three grand, uh, 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 an auction. And you look at it and you, and, and you, but you got to know the car, you got to do a little homework, but it keeps me really in tune with what the values are out there. Yeah. And the other thing is the fun thing about those auctions is too, uh, when I was in Amelia, I bought an Allard for a guy. You know, the other tangible fun thing about it is when you make a phone bidder sit down, it's fun. <laughs> I was bidding against the phone at Amelia, and and he was bidding fives, and I was bidding, and, and he, we were bidding fives. I'm like, okay, I'm going to turn this up because I knew what I had to spend. I bid twenty, and he threw a he and the guy the guy on the phone threw a five dollar bid up, five thousand bid up, and Charlie goes. We're bidding. We're not bidding in fives right now. <laughs> and I, I got to make. I made. I made a lot of people. I've made a lot of people sit down on the phones, and it's really fun because you win. <laughs> there's, 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 a, there's a sense of winning in that that's just just awesome. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it, you want to scream in your face, but you can't do it just then. <laughs> I yell. I, I always go woohoo and stuff, and everybody sits around. You know, the funny thing about auctions is why don't people have fun? I mean, they all. You, you I know, do. Guys, Guy buys a three point five million dollar car and looks like he's looks like he's got an upset stomach, right? I'm like, he does, <laughs> but he doesn't. He just they never smile, and so I always make a big deal out of it because it's fun, and I try to make it fun. Like some, I bought a car a couple of years ago. I spent you know million and a half bucks on it for a guy, and I was like, wah! And, and it was like, and everybody looked at me like, boy, you're really. A friend of mine was sitting next to me, Nick. And he goes, that that's a little obnoxious, and he goes. Isn't it supposed? Nick goes, looks at him and goes, "Isn't it supposed to be fun?" Yeah, absolutely. Fun. Yeah. Maybe you should learn something from this, and uh, because again, looking at a screen, uh, you know, it's it's yeah, interesting, it's kind of a little bit exciting, but it's not. It's not. Uh, it takes all the joy out of it. I don't think it takes the joy out of it. It's just different. It's it's just not as substantive. Oh, I'd rather be there. I'd rather be there. I'd rather hear everything that's going on in the room. I'd oh yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. smell or uh, you know all the different smells you get that go with it the cars just walking past the bars that are there just everything about it uh yeah. I, I, there's shenanigans that go on too an annex like I oh was, yeah I was at amelia i think john was with me i was bidding on this card bonhams and i was bidding fives and this guy was kept on bidding ones and and jacob because jacob and you know like him like his style or not he will get more money out of a car any way he can yes so he's in the one thousand dollar bids and i'm like I'm like 85 and the guy's like 86. I'm like 90, you know, he's like 91. I'm like a hundred, 101. So a friend of ours who works for a big insurance company and collector cars. Now he didn't then 
turned around. He goes, you make one more $1,000 bid, I'm punching you in the face. And, the guy <laughs> down. and that's the kind of fun stuff that happens at an auction you don't get online. It's, how do you do that? I mean, and I, I was like, I, I went like this and started the giggle and I made one more bid and the guy didn't bid again and I got the car. I mean, but that's the kind of shenanigans and, you know, betting, betting a dollar for the $3 million car who's closest to the highest, you know, whose price is white rules. Closest yeah. to the, you know, we do that all the time. Find the most expensive car at the auction. We bet a dollar to see. We bet a dollar on what it's going to go for. <laughs> what's dollar. the over? What's the over under on that thing? Will it make? Exactly. Will it make reserve? You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> didn't even hit reserve. That thing's a dog. You know. <laughs> One of the things that's uh, happening on Bring a Trailer right now that's kind of odd is I'm seeing lots of cars that are coming around for the second or third time. You know, a car's been bought and then gone away for a few months and then come back. And I thought that was kind of odd. And we've had so much traffic through so many sales for the last few years. Do you think all the cool stuff has gone through? Or do you think there's stuff that's still hiding in nooks and crannies? That, uh, what is your opinion on the, the traffic that's been through everything, both live and online? You go, John. Well, we, we, we talked about this too. And, and, and there's a, there's one, there's one, one thing I hadn't thought of though. Um, you know, you, you go through all the trouble to put a car on, bring a trailer. And I got to tell you, if it falls through, cause nobody's looking out for you except you, if that deal falls through, you're going to put it back out on bring a trailer and it might be showing up six weeks later. It'd be interesting to see if some of those cars that you saw were out by the same person. Uh, some of them have been, you know, the, but bring a trailer doesn't do boomerangs very often. Uh, yeah, well, you know, well, how else are you going to sell? I mean, it, there's a lot. I, I know of a fair amount of fall throughs, you know, where they just yeah. Yeah. The, the, tra- the transaction doesn't occur because either the buyer pulls it, you know, pulls the plug at the last minute or whatever. Um, one of the things that Andy and I looked at when we were kind of gathering our thoughts for this for this interview or uh, and a, and a time on your show is the um, we, we saw an auction for RM Miami and it was all mostly modern cars or at least nineties you know two thousands plus and it was a smaller auction it was all you know there was no classics in there per se. And, and, and it got us to thinking, or it got me to thinking that, you know, I, I would tell you some of these big collections, because that's the other issue that we talked about with these big collections diluting the market. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's some big ones out there. But it looks like a lot of these younger collectors don't have the real estate in the, in the place to put 30, mm-hmm. 40, 50, 80 cars. And, and I, I would tell you some of them may only keep these cars for six months or 24 months sure. and they, you know, they keep the more modern cars. They drive them around. They probably use them more than a lot of the big collectors do, you know, and they, and they take them out and they put five, 10, 15,000 miles on them and they put them back out again. And, and I'm wondering if it, it's, and it's not anything I've, I've, I've talked to anybody about, but I wonder if that's a trend out there, you know, that's probably going to be occurring. Had it, drove it, let's sell it again. Yeah, I've had my experience with that car. I'm moving on to the next. I, I, I got a Renault R5 Turbo 2, and I've always wanted a f- 959. So I'm going to get rid of the Turbo 2 and go buy a 959. Have your time with the 959. Want an F40. I'm going to buy an F40, and that's what happens. Uh, and then the next thing. So And it just moves on and on and on. 
And I, I see, I, you know, I insure guys and I insure people in that age group. And there's a lot of rollover. They'll keep oh. things for four months and they'll sell them. And it, and it, cause they're like done, they, they, they sell it and get something else. And I don't know how that works. <laughs> no, me neither. No, no. <laughs> it's not a bad strategy. No. I keep trying to tell myself that's a good strategy, and then I don't do anything about it, and then I find another car. So that's <laughs> yeah. One of the, one of my cars I've had since high school. So I don't know how to just roll yeah. them over and go to the next one. But uh, that's, but we're a different generation, and that but that and that high school thing. That's a whole different thing. All that's a whole different equation when you have somebody like that. Oh uh, yeah. These kids in high school drove a Camry, right? I mean, there, there's no. <laughs> There's nothing fun about that. Or mom's old broke, broken in the higher end people. Mom's old, barely works Range Rover from that was 15 years old when they got it, yeah. right? And uh, that had everything that did, you know, through through had lights like a Christmas tree on the dashboard every time he started it. Yeah, I've, I've told like the this, New England rich kids thing. It's like a ra- broken Range Rover. I've, I've told this story a bunch of times. I got out of high school on a plea bargain. It was so close, even I was surprised. But no one was more surprised than my dad, and he had a '60 Corvette, and he gave it to me. Uh, there's, wow. there's some other background there. Uh, I, I have to go back and find his insurance agent for the lumberyard at that time, because that loose-lipped guy who said to my dad, "You know, for what you're going to pay for him in a Mazda RX-7, he might as well have a Corvette." Oh, thank you, thank you so very much, thank you. So my, my old man thinks I'm going to save 15 grand. I'm thinking I get to be king stud of the universe. <laughs> yeah, the other thing where this all ties, we can kind of wrap this back into the Concorde thing too. Is you know the biggest Concorde, the two biggest in the United States, Pebble and Amelia. Yeah, you know there's a large number of let's say traditional best of show cars, be them Duesenbergs or Packards or what have you. Where I get concerned about Concorde, where we're gonna have to see some transitions happening is in 20 years or 10 years, let's say, let's push it out closer than that. In 10 years, the people that own those cars or a lot of them, I'm going to probably DSS them for the most, unless their children want them. And what we're seeing come with collections like Jim Taylor or Gene Ponder and the like, and those are sports car collections, which makes it more interesting, uh, is they're they're, they're selling them all. Ponder's car, entire no reserve, everything. Yeah, but Taylor's is way too big. He couldn't. Uh, he couldn't transfer it to his kids. He'd have yep. to turn it into a different kind of asset or cash and be able to move them. Which, And this is an interesting conversation for all the guys here because none of us doesn't have white hair growing out of him somewhere. <laughs> yeah. uh, younger uh, collectors aren't, they're not going to understand this yet, but it's coming. Yeah, it's and coming. the thing that's interesting too is that these old full-time classics, and John and I are talking about this just prior to the call, Here's what people forget. People, modern kids think you can buy a, a, every car, the oldest car, the most difficult car to deal with is basically like a 1967 911, right? Yeah. Which is a car you hook up to a battery tender and start and it always starts. Or a 1960 Corvette or a Alfa Giulietta, another pretty easy car to own. Even Ferrari, you know, Ferraris from the 60s are pretty easy to own. Yeah, they're mechanical. Yeah. yeah. But even that, they don't, you don't have to futz with them all the time. Yeah. And, but a Duesenberg, when it was new, huh. the owner had a guy or a, or a V12 Packard or a Packard 8 even yeah. or a Lincoln or a Cadillac 16, whatever, any of these things. The owner had a guy that looked after that car 
all the time. Yes. The owners of these cars now have guys that look after them all the time. Those guys have got to cost 100 Gs a year easy. Oh, easily. Uh, so what? if I was a 35-year-old guy that struck it rich in Facebook, I wouldn't want to write a salary for a hundred grand guy just to keep my car running. And beyond that, they're really not that fun. You can't use them. And they, we have such an, no. we have such an end user new collector. They want to go on rallies and tours. So and who, who wants, who winds up with all that pre-war stuff? Is it just destined to be in museums and little else? I, I think that there, a lot of those are going to head to museums. And when they're shown at Concord, it will be the Peterson or the Simeon. They, they wouldn't have anything. They've got a couple old old classics like that. Or, you know, AACA Museum bringing that car to the Concours to show it. Because I don't see – people say, well, there's a lot of people interested in pre-war and that are young. Yeah, pre-war sports cars. Yeah. Bugattis and Astons and MGs. Yeah. Well, yeah. We, we don't – We you know, our group here, that we're, you know, the five of us here, I mean – we're not AACA guys either. You know, that's part of it too. And I and I know some people that, I mean, they just love that stuff. And I, no. to each his own, to each his own. Okay. And, and but I, I don't know what that, I, I don't know what that looks like in the, in the real world, you know, at an AACA meeting, you know, um, I don't know how many young people are attending. I, I, I know how many are attending in our, our little sports, sports car world um, yeah. and yeah. not a lot. Well, three of us are three of us are sports car guys, and then there's that oh. s- that scuzzy Mopar guy sitting across hey, from hey, me. Hey, Mark, hey, Mark, hey. Mark, sorry, Mark. Sorry. <laughs> Mopars are easy too in comparison to these full classics. I oh mean, yeah, a full classic, right. a full classic, a real, honest to God CCCA full classic needs a caretaker. Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, truly a caretaker. And if the owner is a successful person enough to buy a Duesenberg. Jay, he does not have the time to be the caretaker himself uh, because he's made money somehow and he's still making it. So he employs somebody. So I don't see, I, I do these, it's a really weird situation. What I think it's going to require, and there's been a lot of focus on those cars as being the important cars of the Concorde. And I, I think that we need to see, like, when was the last time a post-war sports car won best of show you know i mean i can tell you it was a couple years ago a pebble but um but before that it was like 20 years yeah and uh and it doesn't happen very often and the people that run a lot of the concord events you know it's it's all about optics and to a certain degree there's a marketing piece in this too what do you want to be the, the car that wins best of show this year is going on the poster for next year and they are dead certain, dead set, in a lot of them, that you can't put a 1950s, 60s car on that poster uh, or it won't get people there. I think that's, I think that's nonsense. I, I think, to me, when I see an old car on a car poster for an event, like a Packard 120 or something, or even a Packard 8, I'm like, do I want to go or do I not want to go? I mean, I mean and, and is it easy or hard? If I'm judging, it's one thing. But if I'm going to an attendant event and actually be a spectator, be a muggle, I have to really <laughs> think about, is that where I want to hang out all day or not? Well, and, all, 
Also, remember the the Pebble or the Amelia Island, well, less Amelia Island, but the Pebble crowd and the exact reason that they uh, called Pebble in 2020, uh, there's a, a lot more white hair than we got in this in the oh, in yeah. this interview. And we're the youngsters there. Yeah, we we really are. Uh, yeah. In our in our 50s and early 60s, yeah. and uh, we we look like we're the young pups. So I think eventually those early important cars kind of age out, uh, much like their owners. And there's exceptions to the rule. Like a Graber body Duesenberg is always going to be something really interesting. You know, or I'm, not, Alpha I'm not saying that they're not special anymore, but it's something that has less following, I think. Yeah. It, the thing is, at the sharp, real sharp end of the stick, Alpha 2.9s, those kinds of, you know, really yeah. crazy stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, that stuff, I think, is say, uh, SS, Mercedes SS, SSKs, yeah. 5, 540 Mercedes. There's always going to be a market for that stuff. Part of the reason, though, with both those examples, Cavalagos, Delahaye's, Delage, the interesting, they're all drivable. Yeah. They were best of class in their days. Yes. They were a usable drive. Hell, heck, Cavalago teardrops raced at Le Mans. Right, so they're obviously drivable, but uh, uh, the the one at Amelia was awfully, awfully pretty, <laughs> very pretty. Uh, I don't disagree with anything you're saying, and those cars are always going to be important. But eventually, their owners are going to age out of what they're doing, and then the cars probably, uh, I think, only people who have. Uh, really comprehensive collections and the money to support them will have them. And I think a lot more of them will wind up in museums and we won't see them as much. I agree. And I think the age of the comprehensive collection is moving. I, I, I think that that's a, I think there are very few people 40 who have a hundred cars. No, there aren't hard. Oh, there are some, there, there, there are, there are few, uh, but not nearly as many as 10 years ago. Yep. 20 years ago. Uh, those... I don't see a lot of collections growing right now, you know, that size. No. Nope. And, and and not that it would also encompass those pre-war cars. Yeah. Right. Uh, true. There yeah. are uh, collections kind of like Taylor's that have lots of race cars and sports cars in them. Uh, but even he's selling that off. Everything except for his favorites. Yep. Yeah. And I can understand that. Uh, Haggerty is becoming a bigger player in both Concours and the auction world, especially with the acquisition of Broad Arrow. Or did they buy that outright, or they just partnered? You tell me. <laughs> a paper? I mean, I don't know. I mean, it was more than more than more than fifty percent is ownership. You t- you know, um, I I don't know. I, I would I would I would tell you they're probably a big piece of their portfolio. Well, and a lot of what McKeel's done the last 10 years, it really looks like he's trying to preserve car culture, and he's making a pretty good swipe at it. Uh, I don't think he can do it by himself, but do you think he's encouraging others to uh, take up the mantle? Yes. uh, Nick Shore at Audrain, right? That's that's a great example of another person founded a Concord. I mean, there are are those people out there. There's a couple other more other people out there, too, doing the same thing. So, yes, uh, Haggerty will be the leader with this. And, I, I, and, again, this is a hobby that is in transition right now. 
And I, I think we're going to see this transition happen really more rapidly than people tend to think. And it's, it's going to take a mindset difference, too. It's like one of the most interesting things I heard last year was at a panel, uh, a panel at Greenwich. And a very noted Concord judge said, well, we need to make these people care about the cars we love. And I thought uh, to myself, that's that's not being said very well. I, that's right. how he said it. And I thought, no, we need to embrace the cars they love. And maybe they will or maybe they won't embrace the cars we love. But it is as it is. You know, people say you know, the death of the car hobby. There's no there's not a death of the car hobby. It's still very healthy. Yeah. It's just different. And I think Haggerty and McKeel's wicked smart uh, and really understands he takes the long view. And he yes. really understands strategy and being having a lot of foresight. And I think that the Cobby, without Haggerty doing this, could be in trouble because it does need someone to guide it in this next phase. And he has the bandwidth and with with his himself and the company to execute with it and the bankroll to make it work all in one place. And there's really no one else in that space that has all those different elements together. But there are other people that are going to help in the places like Audrain Concourse situation. So he's brought some he's brought some really smart people together and and cultivated. And I think he's bringing along some people in that, you know, on his journey there. Um, people that you and I know, Andy, that, you know, let's call them, you know, best of class help, if you will. You know, and, and that some really good minds to strategically kind of string this thing together. Um, it it. it it makes me wonder sometimes as a, you know, an ex corporate guy, you know, how do you justify all this? I mean, obviously I don't see the balance sheet. I'm not sure what the long-term five-year, 10-year balance, you know, looks like, you know, how, how do these things make money? You know, I mean, what do they look like financially a dollar in and how much comes out? There's a big investment going on here, obviously. Um, well, it's, but- it is a huge investment in the hobby and the culture and everything else. And long term for what Haggerty does, that that is a little self-serving, but it also preserves everything. And it's, yep. Yep. I, I think it's incredibly astute on his part. And in the in the bargain, we're all in love with what McKeel's doing now because yep. it serves all of us too. It's it's really sharp to to be doing something that both serves him and all of us at the same time. Well, I, I would say it serves him, you know, and, and we've all been saying that for a while, but now it's a corporation. Now it has shareholders. Now there's, you know, there's kind of a, um, you know, a fiduciary responsibility to, the, to everybody who's investing in that. And, and again, I'm not saying he's doing it incorrectly. I'm just saying in the, you know, the, 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 the hardcore Wall Street world, you know, you wonder how do you, you know, what's, what's your, what's your return on equity in, a, in an environment like that? It's just, it's just, I'd be, I'd be interestingly interested. I'd be very interested to listen, look at how all of that like fits together, you know, and, and God, I hope it does. Cause it's, it's good for all of us as far as I'm concerned. I, I, I like the outcome, but I'm just curious, you know, it's once again, it's like getting under the hood of a car and, and looking around going, Oh, I see that now. Yeah. Now yeah. I understand, you know, or, <laughs> Oh, that is brilliant. You know, to me, Business is like that. That's kind of how I look at a business. I go, oh, that's a nice piece there. You know, or, wow, that's really stupid. Whose idea was that? You know, that was, get rid of that right away. Take, get rid of that right away. But, 
you know, it served its purpose for, you know, three, three years or whatever. So I just find it fascinating. You know, I just find it fascinating. Because there are challenges with that. And, um, and oh. here's the other thing is Concord events historically, they're all, they're charitable events, number one, but number two, it's not a way to make money. Right. As so many things in this hobby or in this culture, <laughs> uh, I can relate. It would be interesting to see if there's been uh, a tangible ripple effect with Haggerty Drivers Club and getting involved in the concours and uh, partnering or bar- buying Broad Arrow Group or seeing how all of this uh, is starting to gel. And like John says, I'd be kind of curious to see how it affects their bottom line. There's got to be something positive to it. And, again, this is a long-term vision. This is not something you do for six months and then see a return on it. Uh, What other thoughts, gentlemen, do you have on the car world as we know it? No, you know, I'll just tell you, you know, the the restoration end, um, we're super busy. People are spending money on cars. I don't know if it's post-COVID. I don't know if we're just... You know, the good news is I'm doing my job properly and I'm getting a lot more activity going out there and people are coming to my doorstep, which which is good, too. Um, but I see people spending money on their cars and, and I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm enthusiastic about that because the other, again, the businessman in me is always looking at the Financial Times and listening to Cavuto in the afternoon and, you know, Fox Business or looking at, you know, the, the CNN business and trying to figure out. If we're all going to have a 401k 12 months from now, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know independent businessman as I am, I still have a 401k and I also need it to be healthy at some point in my life. So, um, you know, I look at that and I, and I, and I'm, 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 you know, I'm, um, I'm excited that people continue to spend money and I don't have, I don't have people backing out going, yeah, maybe I'll do that in six months or a year. Um, so let's, you know, let's see how this all pans out. But I think, again, you know, the high-end stuff is still a good place to be. You know, if you're still trading in high-end cars and we're going to concourse where there's high-end cars, I think so. And I think the first thing that's going to fall out are the, you know, the two minus and the three plus cars that really should be four cars. Sure. You know, you, we've seen them all. Um, I think that stuff's going to start fading away. Um, and, and I think that's, that's going to self-police a lot of this, you know, a lot of the talk that everybody says, oh, this, everybody's getting gray hair. There's going to be nobody left to buy these cars. Eh, I, I, oh, I tend to disagree. Well, we've all been hearing that for what, the last 10, 15, 20 years now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And we all had a lot less white hair when that started being said. <laughs> yeah. Right. So we all said no. But, you know, let's see what happens. I'm, I'm excited. I haven't lost any enthusiasm for what I do. And I'm, I'm pretty much in the thick of it, too. Yeah, I'm the same here, and uh, I, what I think we're going to see in the coming year is I think that Haggerty's not done. No, no, I don't no, think by I, any stretch there of are imagination. More things that I think Haggerty is probably after, and uh, I'll, we'll see that. I think we'll see that in the next couple of years, and it's interesting. Uh, you know what they've been at Amelia? It was a great steward, and it did a really good job. And what's funny is the people that run some of the really big events, like Bill Warner. Yeah, uh, at at Amelia, who else could make the phone calls he could make? Well, McKeel, right? Yeah. But outside of that, but it, it takes somebody like McKeel. It absolutely you bet does. It does. You bet it does. And and that's why these really big time events. I think it's good that they're picking them up because 
they're not bill wanted out of it he was getting tired he's older and uh well he's been doing it for years yeah, yeah. don't you he think looks so he looked so happy last year yeah i was being... gonna say don't you think he was walking around just thinking oh uncle bill this... uncle bill's here hey I... uncle... <laughs> he, he, he gets to walk around and be the ambassador at the concourse and he finally gets to walk around and enjoy it without the uh thought in the back of his mind what do i need to be taken care of what needs to be done what's next uh, I, I, I would like to have a conversation with this person, but I have to keep it short because I have to go do something else. Right. Uh, you know, he was walking around just having a ball. And I'm yeah. happy for him in that regard. That's really cool. The other thing I think about the car market now that we, you know, you know, everybody said that with COVID, the car market came alive because people needed something they could do where they didn't necessarily have to interact with <coughs> one another they could do it on their own. They could enjoy their car. They could work on it. They could go for a drive, everything else. I think that lots of people who probably didn't prior found the value and the joy in having maybe a one-car collection or two cars and being able to tinker with them. And they they were reintroduced or uh, reawakened to what that could be. And I think that's probably something that's going to keep uh, the car culture really strong and healthy, even as the economy cools. I think it's it's going to run counter. It'll be counterintuitive, but I think it's cool that it is. Yeah, I agree. And the thing is, that's interesting. My next editor, I'm writing an editorial piece for Classic Cars called "The One Car Collection," with examples of what that looks like based on some things I saw at Amelia, at, at Amelia uh, Arizona, and. Uh, monterey and you truly can have a one car collection sure i did for a long long time i mean like you can have a one car collection that you could vintage race show it pebble uh and take on a rally and drive down the street to get ice cream sure there are certain cars and they're not all a million dollars who is it do that is it jack olson he's got a 72 or 73 911 t that he's just done a zillion different things with. Uh, I, I see him on YouTube. Uh, if you haven't, go look him up. He also has a really, really cool garage. I think Jack might be an engineer by trade uh, and built his uh, his lift into his garage floor. So uh, I've seen that guy. Yeah, yeah, I do know that guy. Yeah. Uh, all right. Last question, guys. What's the dumbest thing either of you have done in a car or on a bike? Uh, and the Andy, that's directed toward you. Uh, dumbest thing you've done in the last year? I rode a motor, a BMW K K sixteen hundred GTL from Riverside, California to Cincinnati, twenty two hundred and fifty eight miles in three days. And if you got to travel, you could pick a worse way. <laughs> there, there, there is there. It was uh, yeah. I'll never do that again in three days. Uh, John saw me at the end of it. I was just wrecked. Um, Little saddle sore, were you? <laughs> no, it wasn't saddle sore. The saddle was great. I was just my brain from being engaged that for that long, that intensely when you're on a bike on yeah. the interstate, interstate driving, riding. By the way, uh, yeah, I'm not. I'll, I'll do another three thousand mile, two, two three thousand mile ride in like a week, but not in three days. Yeah. Uh, so, so uh, that was dumb. I was only three days because I forgot what my schedule was, and I was like. Oh God! I'm going to this press event on Tuesday. I'm leaving Wednesday. I need to be in Cincinnati by Saturday, by 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 Friday. Uh oh. 
Yeah. He did that. Yeah, I can do this. And, and I'm on the phone going, where are you? He goes, oh, Santa Fe, New Mexico. I go, get to it. You got places to go, baby. You got to oh. get, you know, you're supposed to be here. And, and it was, it was pretty funny. I, I you know, I, th- I think it, he came back and he was, he was, he, he was, he was poop for brains. He had no, you know, I was like, <laughs> oh my God, what am I doing? And, uh, I was like, I go, wow, you're going to need therapy. I, and, and since he doesn't drink, I had a few for him. And, and um, I felt much better about myself. After <laughs> That's a true so that friend. Picture of, that picture yeah, of all of us with Jason Manns. And I, you're all like there. And I'm like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got too much to drink. Andy hasn't had a drink in over 20 years. This That's just Andy right now. That's, that's, I was so not there. I mean, it was just so funny. That it took me a day to recover from that. Um, and, and, but he, I called John up and said, so, uh, he's, where are you? I said, I'm so-and-so. He's, where exactly? I said, he goes, he goes, turn around. I turn around. He goes, like, look at the sky. And I go, oh, crap. He's like, get on the bike and go now. you got to race that rain. And so uh, I rain. The weather, I'm watching the weather channel. I'm going, you're in Indianapolis? He goes, yeah. I go, you're about four and a half hours away. You're going to get crushed if you don't get moving right now, right now, this moment. And, and so uh, that's, when we test, that's when we test the limits of the bikes. Yeah. Like, it, was and, uh, it was fun. It was pretty funny. I, yeah. I had a few of those myself. How about you, John? What have you done that's I, not real smart? Boy. Um, you bought a bunch of cars. I, I'm always <laughs> buying a bunch of weird cars. No, I, I, the, only thing, the only thing I did is I, I bought, a, I bought a, um, a year ago, I bought a BMW 2002 race car. And I, from that had been sitting in a garage literally, you know, for 20 years. And I stripped out everything. And what I did do though that was dumb was, I took the engine in trans and we got the engine running. So I, I I jacked it up and I and I strapped it to the you know the tension bar on the, uh, between the two front towers and I didn't really touch it much. And I did everything else and then I tried driving it and it was so slow. It, I don't know, and we came to find out that the valve spring tension was like zero. You know, like it had a self limiter, like at forty five hundred RPMs, it just floated. You know, it was like a sewing machine; nothing was happening. So I was, I'm like, God, I am the worst driver in the world. What did I have? I thought I had a mini stroke or something. And I'm like, Holy cow, this is this is not fun. I took myself out of a race because I thought I was dangerous. I'm like, Someone's gonna run me over, and this is, you know, and, and so. I, I finally said, pull the head off this thing. And we took it to a guy and he goes, yeah, it's like one third, you know, seat pressure on this thing. It's, it's a disaster. I went, Oh, thank God. So I'm going out next weekend. (laughs) Next weekend is my first time out with the, with the car now that I've got actually kind of a motor in it. And we're going to see, cause that was really stupid. I, and I was like, yeah, I've lost it. You know, and it's not fun to drive a really slow car when people are like, crashing the crap out of you so i i that was that was dumb that was dumb but i'm i'm, I'm gonna back at it and gonna close the season on a high note i hope nice sounds fantastic and i'm i'm glad it wasn't you but i'm a little surprised you left with that running that way we've been speaking with john sacamino and andy reed you can find all the social media links for andy and john on drivenradioshow.com guys as always thanks for being with us really appreciate it miss you both i'm hoping what scottsdale is that the next chance yeah yeah I'll be unless there. you're at chattanooga or hilton head no oh, yeah, i i, I I stupidly volunteered to go down to Branson tomorrow and cover the Cox auction down there. Uh, 
which uh, uh, that ought to be entertaining. At least it's close to home. <laughs> it's a drive. One day? Uh, yeah, One it's day it's only a few hours away. It's, oh, nice. It's just nice. south of Kansas City a little bit. But uh, that's that's where I'm headed next, so I'm guessing I'll see you guys in January. I hope so. I'll see you guys later. <laughs> Thank you so much for spending time with Driven Radio. We love what we do, and we wouldn't be able to do it without the support of our listeners. And that's it. That is not untrue. That is that, that yeah. is not untrue. God's witness. You can find us online at drivenradioshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Driven Radio Show. And listen everywhere fine podcasts are heard. I am Brett Hatfield for Mr. Mark Gross. Yo. Thank you, and we'll see you next time here on Driven Radio. Mm-hmm.